Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to The Hang. Today, we are talking to my buddy, Andrew Colbert. Andrew is an American stage actor who has been in Hair, Les Miserables, that's where we met, She Loves Me, the first Broadway show to be streamed live internationally online, Twelfth Night, Sunday in the Park with George, with Jake Gyllenhaal, and School of Rock. We get into how we're spending time in this lockdown and what this time affords him with his young son. We discuss his passion for musical theater and how he approaches his work. I was really intrigued by his own admission of being more of a craftsman than an artist. Andrew is really an interesting man and incredibly talented, and he has a beautiful heart. Okay. Oh, brother. I hope I got enough battery in my phone. I'm nervous. Get a plug. <laughs> of course, you're not prepared for this. Welcome oh, to it, the hang. It started? This is it. Oh, great. Can I ask a question right off the bat? Of course you can. What is this? Cheers. Cheers, buddy. What are you drinking? Uh, Jameson whiskey. Oh, just straight up. Um, I don't know what I'm doing, but you know when <laughs> Old <dude>. they say, <laughs> you know when they say, just do things that you're scared of doing, things you might be uncomfortable with. Mm. So I thought, I'll do it. And it gives me a chance to, look, you and I get to... Spend 40 minutes talking. Sure. Which is something... When I hang out... To be clear, that's not something you're uncomfortable with. That's something we've done a lot. Right. But not since I live across the ocean. Sure. So it gives us that opportunity. It gives me opportunity when I hang with friends to talk about things that normally you wouldn't talk about face-to-face. Right. You would just... You know what I mean? Well, I'm going to... I'm happy to sort of let you take the lead. This is your show. I'm glad to be a good... Were you going to introduce me at all? Or is that... You'll record that later? Probably. (laughs) We've started. (laughs) So how are you, brother? Oh, I'm all right. How are you? It's a weird time, huh? I know. Here we are podcasting during a pandemic. Yeah, it's a strange time to be a person in the world, I think. Do you know I don't live in the city anymore? I left New York City. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Well, wait. No, yes, you moved. We moved to the suburbs. We bought a house in New Jersey. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, I don't know. I guess for New York, they're sort of anticipating the apex in the next week or two. Um, but it's, it's oh, just man. a very strange and scary time. And you guys have been healthy? You haven't... Your family's good. Yeah, so far so good. I mean, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of friends that have tested positive for COVID or are suspecting that they would if they were able to find a test, which is its own load of load of Broadway actors. Yeah, I've been reading about having yeah, it. tons and tons of friends, and it's really no joke. I mean, you know, I think the the messaging we were getting a, a few weeks ago about how if you're young and healthy, you're going to be just fine wasn't really the full story, or I don't know whether it was inaccurate, but it, it it didn't paint a full picture of what it means by mild. Mild really just means you don't have to go to the ICU. You're still sick as can be for a while at your house. Uh, yeah. And I've got a lot of friends that have sort of been in that boat and are still in the thick of it or recovering. And it, it seems pretty rough. But we've, we're now uh, like two and a half weeks into our own personal family quarantine. How are you finding that? <laughs> it's all right. How are you? How are you finding it? I had a little blip of it yesterday. Only my anxiety comes from when I listen to too much news. Yeah. And the news can be so contradicting. Sure. 
one, like you say, you hear people say it's most, most cases you're going to be fine. Um, and then when you hear things like, oh, we might actually have to go for six months. If it's six months, the financial uh, ramifications, Are, you know, I'm in a fortunate position. I'm very grateful for that. Yes. So I, when I think of maybe up to three months or four months, I do see it as, well, I'm with my family full time. Yeah. And I'm enjoying that. I'm enjoying the structure. I, I'm actually enjoying the homeschooling and do, and doing things that when I'm so busy always, you think, oh, if only I could do this. Sure. Now, this is not I, – I can't call this a blessing because it's not. People are dying. People are sick. It's an opportunity. But at least I'm with my family. It's an opportunity. Yeah. At least I'm, I don't want it – I don't want to leave this without thinking what lessons could I learn from sure. this. I've also been trying to be very deliberate about – I mean, my, my son's four – and I'm trying to be very deliberate about the idea that when he looks back on this, if he remembers this, I want him to think of it as as a joyous, family filled time in his life. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he understands as well as a four year old could that a, a lot of people are sick, and that's why we're not going to school anymore, and that's why we can't have playdates. He gets that. Um, mm. But I, w- I, as he thinks about this, as he grows up, when when you know, someday we'll be able to look back at this. I really am making it my sort of guiding principle that he looks back on this time as a, as a happy and light filled time in his life. Um, beautiful. Cause it's not going to be for most of us. Um, no. You know, it's interesting. I, I this was a, t- a tweet from John Ronson, you know, John Ronson, the writer, the terrific writer. And a couple weeks ago, I saw him tweet that he's noticed a phenomenon that, people that generally have anxiety are sort of taking this all very much in stride because as if they've been rehearsing for it for their entire lives. Whereas people who are not generally anxious like me and like, I think you, this is really kicking our asses just because I, I am not accustomed to feeling like the sky is falling. And so now that it actually sort of is, it really is a, a jarring uh, experience for me. Well, I, that's that. This is where hearing too much news, or I, I try and read both sides of any story, especially with politics. I'm, when people are so like I, the opposite of what naturally I feel or think, I think, well, why do they think that? Right. And why don't I think that? Yes. Which is something that you, so, you and I have even done with each other. Yeah, because it's good to. I, I even if I don't agree with someone, I I want to hear sure, them out. Of I don't believe in the cancel culture or things like that. I believe in. I would have canceled not, you years in, ago. <laughs> I know. Thank God. I, I don't. That. <laughs> uh, well, listen. Get in line. I'm sure many would. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't believe in selective democracy. It's you know, right. freedom of speech is freedom of speech, whether we agree with certain things or not. But more to the point of this, there's a lot of people who believe this is overreaction. We should. Um, this is just a flu. But I don't ever remember hospitals being this. No, over you know. No, they're hurting. Yeah, it's not just a. I mean, I've tried to really. Um, the fact is that predictions are uh, sort of fundamentally flawed, and the thing that ends up happening almost always exists somewhere in between the worst case scenario and the best case scenario. It, it's almost never either of them, and it's almost always somewhere in between. And so I, I've been trying to also limit my news consumption, but even with the news that I am consuming, I'm trying to come at it very much with 
projections are are just projections and anything can happen at any time. And a, a lot of it, a lot of these projections are based on people not doing what you and I are doing right now. Uh, right. And I think, unfortunately, slowly, but, but people are coming around to the fact that this is everyone's responsibility to take care of each other and to take care of ourselves. And, uh, and really, it does feel uh, like society is doing this in a selfless way, right? It's, it's, I don't hear anyone saying I'm quarantining to keep myself safe. It's mostly I'm quarantining to keep the, the people in my community, the people in my extended family, the, the people that I come in contact with safe. Mm. Um, which I think is sort of beautiful. Um, but th- you know, that being said, it, it's, it's, it is bad. It will continue to be bad. It will likely continue to be worse. And that's something that is challenging every day. But I think you're right that a part of it is also an opportunity for everyone to, uh, have some space for reflection, uh, and some space for just th- things other than we usually fill our space with right even if we get sick or we have family that's sick it's this next time is going to be different fundamentally different for a while and uh some of that at least some of that gets to be in our control and uh that's sort of the thing that i'm i'm doing my best to cling on to so how do you deal with anxiety, like when you get those moments? You know, that's something I've been sort of actively working on. Again, anxiety is not a feeling I'm super accustomed to. You know, my whole kind of thing is like, it's going to be fine, floating around. I'm like at a solid six and a half all the time. That's just <laughs> where I live. Just like pretty good. Um, I, I, like I'm a pretty easygoing six and a half. Um, I know. so this is, this is all pretty unusual for me. The, the big thing with this specifically is, is evading the new, uh, not evading the news, but like limiting my consumption and, and being deliberate about how and when I consume it. Like I, I took Twitter off my phone. It, I'm still on Twitter, nice. but the, I want it to be a choice as opposed to the default thing for my eyes to do when they don't have something else to do. To me, it's made a big difference that like the difference between clicking on the little blue bird on my phone or going on to twitter.com is enough to, I've probably cut my Twitter down by, you know, 70%. Yeah, I'm gonna um, do that. It's a, it's a big change. And the fact that like, if I see something that I want to amplify or if I want to check on a quick thing or whatever, I can still do that. It's an option to me, but it's not something that's just falling in front of my face. Yeah. Cause you've gotten um, a few conversations on Twitter Especially politics. Yeah. I've been... Well, politics. More... I'm, I'm less interested in, like, debating politics than I am about debating just social goodness. But you never like, were on the attacking foot. You always opened it for a dialogue. But you would get it. That's what I try But you do. would get attacked. Yeah, get attacked. You get attacked pretty fast. Yeah, I get attacked pretty fast. But it, the, the thing that I really have no understanding of is my opinion is different than yours, and so you must be wrong. I can't, I can't understand that philosophy because to me, if I'm going to say, I think X, I'm really eager to hear why. Yeah. And, uh, even if I disagree with why, if anything, it's going to help me understand my position better, which is something I'm always eager to do. Yeah. Um, a couple months ago I said, I feel this about this thing. And a lot of people came for me 
And <laughs> that, that was fine. You can come for me. I'm on Twitter. That's the whole point of Twitter is you putting yourself out there for people you to come You sit for you. by the pool, you're going to get wet. That's right. <laughs> That's fine. But a lot of people seem to be eager to say like, you're a piece of shit for feeling this way. Goodbye. <laughs> and maybe I'm a piece of shit for feeling any particular way, but look, tell, let's talk about it a little bit. No, of course, it's not your responsibility to educate me, but I, I want to be able to have at least a, a, a light dialogue as far as uh, why you think I'm a piece of shit. So I can at least provide some context for why I'm a piece of shit. Um, you know, I, I know there are t- takes that I have had over the years, hopefully not on Twitter, that have not held up. You know, all of our positions are evolving on everything all the time. Yeah. And I think that's part of our obligation as adults is to be sort of ever reevaluating our opinions on things. Um, but uh, Twitter, I think, can be really good for that. Usually, you know, if I have 50 people come and tell me I'm a piece of shit, I'll find three that are willing to have a really interesting conversation. Uh, <laughs> and, and the difference between a conversation and like a debate is I'm not trying to prove everyone, anyone wrong. And, uh, but I'm also open to being proven wrong. You know, my, my, if, if you and I have different positions, I don't think my rightness implies your wrongness. Right. I think we can both be right in different contexts and I think that's okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong about that too. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I think that's what gives balance, but I don't understand why people, like you say, are so quick to go, well, if you're not on our, in our camp, then fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, I just think like nothing is uniformly right or wrong. Everything has caveats. Yeah. You know, I I think everything does. Everything's gray. I I think that take um, my president right now. I I disagree with just about everything he does. I I don't think he does a good job at his job. And I think he's probably not a very good person Mm -hmm. with probably not great intentions. But there's a lot of people who will think otherwise. There's a lot of people who think otherwise. And I don't think their support of him makes them monsters necessarily. Right. I think some of them probably are. And I think some people that support my guy are probably monsters too. You know, that's fine. Everybody has the the potential to be everything. I always think education and change comes from education, comes from patience, comes from grace, compassion. You got to be able to talk to each other. Yeah. And it takes time. Like when I think of my kids, like I'm homeschooling now, we're working on ratios Mm -hmm. today. You don't just do one question and they get it. You, that's why there's 20 questions of the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it's exactly. repetition. God, ratios. Jesus. I'm enjoying it, though. Uh, I bet you're learning a lot. That, <laughs> uh, so what else do people talk about on the on the, the hang? Well, I I use it for them. It's a platform for you. For Oh, oh, I don't have much to say. I don't, you know. Well, then, it's been great, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Andrew Colbert. <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, well, where well, were you else? at? Where uh, were you? Uh, what were you working on when this all kicked off? Well, I had I, I had March off, so the timing of this all uh, is strange. So, so I've done the last. Uh, I just finished this Andrew Lloyd Webber show. This called called Unmasked. Where was that? At the uh, at the Paper Mill Playhouse here in New Jersey, it was the uh, American premiere of this, really the world premiere of this version. They did a lot of updating to it, and um, so I was working with Andrew and his team, and uh, you know, putting up this kind of uh, 
this the music of Angela Weber. And so we did that for a month. That just closed at the beginning of March. And then I was going to start rehearsals for a play uh, at the beginning of April. It was going to be, I don't know if I should, what I should say about it. Cause I don't know if it still might right, happen okay. down the road, but it's uh, a new dramatic play in which I was one of the leads and I was going to like off Broadway, like a play. Oh like a man, play. words. I know words, no. no songs. I didn't have to dance or anything. Uh, and so I was really excited because it was like a lot of things that I really was eager to do. Was, I've been looking to do a drama. I've been looking to originate a role. I've been looking to do a play. Good for you, um, man. Uh, yeah, but now that's well, not. As far that's, as that's their communication with you at this point, is it still a feeling of it being on pause or? Well, I think uh, they're calling it uh, indefinitely postponed, which, yeah. you know, it's hard. Uh, you don't really, or at least I don't really think as often as I maybe should have about how razor thin the margin is for theater, yeah. right? If you're making money, you're barely making money. And so well, unless you're turning Hamilton. off all money, unless you're Hamilton or Wicked or one of those guys. So- uh, really turning off the spigot entirely is unimaginable because the, there's there's just so many artists and craftsmen and technicians depend yeah. on this business. And uh, without t- – I mean, ticket sales are, are it. That's it. That's the only way we're making money. And even when we say, you know, quarantine is over or social distancing is over or, or lift uh, – even when we lift all restrictions, I think it's potentially going to be a minute before – people are going to be really eager to sit in a, a cramped room with a thousand strangers. How comfortable would you be to sit in a theater next week? I don't know. It That answer changes every day. Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, I listened to this. I, I watched this kind of video that's been making the rounds lately of this hour long zoom chat that this doctor from wild Cornell in the city did where he, it was like from three or four days ago, but it's already been emailed to me four different times from different people. He has this hour long chat with his family and friends where he's like, I've been doing nothing but treating COVID patients for the last two weeks. Here's what I know. And it's just really practical and really pragmatic and uh, sort of reassuring. And I, I, I'm very reassured by uh, logistics. Like if you tell me how something's going to go, I I, I just feel a lot better. Like traveling makes me nervous. Give me an itinerary and I'm delighted. I'll go wherever you want. I just want to know what's going to happen. Yeah, I get you. I want to know. I want the facts. Give me the facts. Yeah. I'm like, and this is a guy who's been doing nothing but this for two weeks and just was able to tell you the facts. Did he have a a positive outlook? uh, He, well, Basically, his message was the virus is a scary thing and a lot of people are sick and will continue to get sick. But it is not actually super difficult to prevent yourself from getting sick. He said almost everyone who's getting sick is getting sick from prolonged contact with someone else who is already sick. And he said we're talking about 15 to 30 minutes of contact. So, you know, are you going to get sick from picking up, uh, you know, a package of green beans that someone touched before you if they had it? Probably not. Right. You know, have an abundance of caution. He said, the thing you got to do, the two biggest things that he talked about 40 times in an hour are wash your hands and stop touching your face. That's it. Yeah. He said, if you can practice those things, you won't get sick. If you can really be diligent about, about hand hygiene 
and about washing your face, you're going to be okay. So anyway, I was going to do this play and now I'm probably not. It's, you know, luckily my wife is a, a civilian who works like a person and is able to fully do her job from home. Um, oh, that's good. And luckily we, yeah. So like financially, it's not as scary for us as it is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I've been trying to use that sort of safety net to give where and when I can. Um the Actors Fund is, is getting ready to do some really incredible work, and I would be remiss if I didn't plug them a little bit. Um, which they always so like, do some great work. Mike. Which they always do. Oh, my God. They've saved friends' lives, really. I mean, it, it's incredible, the work that they do. Uh, but mostly I'm kind of like settling in to do weeks or more likely months of, of homeschooling and stay-at-home parenting, which is not something I have ever done or, or, or uh, really had very much interest in doing. But it's it's week three now and it is better and more fun and more satisfying and easier every day yeah um and i'm getting to know my son better than i did before which i guess was true uh, at any point but is accelerated now in a really kind of fun way oh, that's beautiful. um yeah and i'm not uh you know, the other day someone asked me to do like one of those Broadway, like live Instagram, whatever things. And I oh, I said, yes, because I'm no fool. But also, I, I I feel so far away from that part of me. It's funny <laughs> you, you know? mentioned that because I was going to talk to you about that. Because once this happened and I, I get asked daily, which I feel very honored that people still want me to do that. But there is not an ounce of me that wants to do any sort of live concert right now that wants yeah. to, I don't know how else to say is reach out apart. Like there's no artist in me right now. There's a father. Mm, exactly. Once yeah, happened, there's I'm no like, creativity in me. I'm just a father trying to figure this out for his family and protect them. And that's it. Everyone's trying to find their own way through. I think a big difference for me, I don't think you're as much in this boat as I am, but I, I really think of myself as more of a craftsman than an artist in that, like, I don't feel even when I'm working, when I'm in rehearsals, when I'm creating a role, whatever, I don't feel, I feel like the reason I'm doing this is because it's the set of skills that I have, right? It's the set of tools that happen to be in my toolbox. Right. And I, I enjoy what I do and I care about doing it well. Um, but it is not a, a, I think as fundamental a part of my being as it is for some others. Like I can imagine going months without performing and that is not a painful idea to me. Um, whereas I know that a lot of friends and colleagues, their way through this is to create and to uh, inspire and to make things. Mm-hmm. And that is not an impulse that I'm experiencing at all. Yeah. Um, I get that. Because I think the reason I, 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 oh, why would Siri have thought I was talking to her? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the reason that I think I, I, I act or I sing is because those are the things that I, I happen to be good at. I think if I was good at other stuff, I'd probably do that and be about as happy. Um, I, I don't, but it's not something that I have ever relied on to like, get me through a tough time or to, or, or a service that I think, and I know this is naive because I know that the work that we do is useful to people. Yeah. But, and I think there's finding that balance. So I, 
listen, I'm trying to figure this out too, but like you, there's nothing that I felt I wanted to do yeah. other than just be a father right now. Yeah. That's the thing I feel inspired to be doing is to be a, a family man and support my family in this way. And you know, the, my wife is the sole breadwinner right now. And, and, I mean, even when I'm working on Broadway, she she does much better than me. <laughs> She's a real professional person. Uh, and th- that's not something that's ever bothered me. But like th- the way that I can be of service to my family, which I think is the most important thing I can do, is to give her the space and the room to do her job well and to give my son the best experience that he can have while I'm with him. Mm-hmm. And to to try to keep myself from uh, going to stir crazy, which is a real threat. Like, I, you know, yeah, and I guess- solitude is something that's always been really important to me, and that is in short supply these days. Yeah. That's the thing that I'm fighting for more than anything is some space to be alone. Yeah, no, that's interesting. When I go work out my garage. It- I guess I take a little longer than I need to, to get the yeah. workout. Yeah, me with the, my dog's getting longer walks than he's ever gotten ever. The distinction I I've drawn for myself is that there are creative artists and there are interpretive artists, and that I think there's some overlap. Mm. But I, I I think I am I consider myself to be exclusively an interpretive artist, in that I can take a script or a song or an idea and hopefully do something interesting with it, but. I'm not a writer and I'm not a composer and uh, what about that? And I'm not a comedian. What about the comedy? You, know, troupe? Thing- you were part of a comedy thing, weren't you? Yeah. They wrote and I punched up. Oh, I see. I see. I, 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 I can punch up, but I, I, am not a, a blank page is, is I know scary to the most creative of, of artists, but it's not scary to me. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't elicit anything in me. I, I don't, I, I don't feel a, a great inner desire to make a thing that wasn't there before. Um, whereas I do feel a great desire to take something and apply my point of view to it or put my spin on it or, uh, you know, sort of just see what it would feel like in my body or in my voice or, you know, it's that thing of like, do you ever do this where you're, if you're seeing a show or watching a, a singer, right? You're watching a singer and they hit a note that sounds amazing coming from their voice. Do you ever just quietly like, hmm, just to feel how it feels in your voice? Definitely. I used to do a lot more before I've learned. I've- I just want to know if it's like empirically hard yeah. or if it's just, if they make it sound hard. Cause my favorite thing in a singer is when it sounds like it's the last day they're ever going to sing in their life. Like my yeah. favorite quality in a voice is that like gristly grit of like, you know, I want it to sound like it's you're dying today. Yeah, like if this is the last time you ever sang, mm. you went down punching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I want to hear. Um, and so, like a lot of times, I'll hear a note, but like, that sounds really hard. Would it be hard for me? I want to know. And so, in the audience or in my house or whatever, I'll test it out. <laughs> nah, it's not that hard. So I got that one. That one's. Okay. Have you ever tried to sing along to Phil Collins? Oh yeah, it's in the stratosphere and it makes it sound so easy. I know. I tried once. I was like, <laughs> "What is happening to my throat right now?" Yeah. That's the only thing is sometimes that's the, that's the opposite, right? It sounds so easy and so breezy. Yeah, and he's singing the full life out of it, well, and you go, "Oh, okay, I'll just take to." Oh, really? What? What is happening and right you're now? Doing this Andrew Weber thing, like songs like Gethsemane, which is the only song I've ever wanted to sing well in my life. <laughs> And not for a day of my life could I sing that song well. Like it's not even like there was a period where I would be able to sing it 
the way I would want to. Did you, you have to I mean? sing that in the show? No, 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 no. Um, but still, if I'm being really honest with myself, every night when it got to that number in the show, I was jealous of the guy on stage singing it, knowing that he was singing it better than I could. Yeah, but it's not about the voice. Like, if you were to play Jesus, do you you would put your opinion on it. You would put your sure, exactly. Did you? There's an Australian cast recording of that Come on, show, John Farnham. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's how I do it because oh. he doesn't sing in the stratosphere. Uh, he's not. He's not doing all that crazy stuff. He doesn't riffle. Well, come on. What's the buzz? Well, I know, but I mean, I'm saying it's not. It's not like high cues like Ted Neely sings. You know what I mean? It's not that stuff. Gethsemane, he just takes it up the octave. Yeah, but like everything he sings, I could sing. I can't sing everything. Oh, Ted congratulations Neely sings. for you. Thank you. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. What do you want me to say? <laughs> well, listen. I remember hearing you sing at 54 below that night, and I was like. Because you know how you say- What did I say? I don't know, but- I don't remember that. You were- okay. You just said you're always about six and a half. You know, you're always good. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I heard you on a good nine. And I said to you, where does that come from? Why don't you do that every night? But that's, I, that's what I'm talking about. Like, the, the, you know, all of us who do this do it because it's the things that- it, we, It's just the stuff we have. You know, you can't, you can't fake a high B. You can either sing it or you can't. And these are the tools that I have, but it's not in a moment like this, especially, but really in any moment, I'm not like, I have to give this or I feel incomplete. Mm. That's not, that's not it in me. It's just doing the things that I know how to do well. Yeah. I, I guess I can relate to that. Like when I sing and I start posting on Instagram now, I'm basically only posting songs. I got nothing else to say. And sometimes I just want to sing. Yeah. And lately I've just been doing songs, but I remember now, like yeah. nowadays, when I just want to be a dad and every now and then I'll sing more as an exercise rather not to like practice, but it's a release for me. Yeah, of course. Not for anyone else. Yeah. But I just happen to post it. But then when people are, I, I get a lot of requests. Can you do a live concert? <laughs> I'm like, well, I've just done yeah, like yeah. 20 songs on Instagram. <laughs> Watch them back and one, one after another. Yeah, what do you want? There it is. You've got it. Cause it's to do a live concert takes prep, takes time. I got to make some space here. Sometimes I'll sing a little. First of all, my son does not care for my singing. He doesn't like it. <laughs> he is very, very comfortable telling me how much he doesn't care for it. <laughs> he doesn't like my singing. Um, but like sometimes, you know, I try to have music playing almost all the time. Like, you know, we've got one of those little Alexas in every room. And so I figured out how to have her just playing in synchronicity all over the house. Mm-hmm. And so I'll have her just going all the time, just playing whatever. And that is really good for me these days, especially just to have some music on. Yeah. Um, and every so often, if a song comes on that I just love or I just want to try on, I'll try it on for a couple of bars. And I just, if for no other reason than to remember that that's something I do. Um, that is always the hardest thing about not working to me is is a forgetting that there are there's the whole that whole branch of things that I'm good at. Uh, and I also like admit to having a little bit of like uh, caveman provide for the family uh, like impulse mm-hmm. that like if, if I'm not if I'm not in some way out hunting and gathering then I'm failing my people which is, again even under the best circumstances my wife is hunting and gathering <laughs> and, that, and that's fine but I still want to feel like I'm bringing home at least a pigeon if she's bringing home a boy. <laughs> 
Thanks for hanging with me, folks. I really enjoyed hanging with Andrew and his candid conversation. He really is a great guy. Join us next time for part two of my conversation and hang with Andrew Colbert. The Hang is produced by Dory Berestein and Alan Seals from the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find me online at bpn.fm forward slash The Hang. Don't forget, you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Ramin Karamlu, on YouTube, a roaming Iranian, or my Facebook page, official Ramin Karamlu. Music for my podcast is by my friends in one of my favorite bands, The Dives. Please check them out at their website, thedivesmusic.com. That's thedivesmusic.com, where you can get to know them, hear their incredible music, get links to all their socials, and most importantly, their tour dates, where you can find out where you can see and hear them live. They are truly a great band, and they are phenomenal live. Check them out. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.